people don't realize that they just think like you can get it or have it. It's like, no, it takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time. And it's an ongoing process. It's not something that you just have or not don't have. It's something that you continue to train and to learn about yourself to become more aware so that you can be the best athlete you can possibly be. It's Welcome to the All In Podcast, where we dive into the mindset, habits, and stories behind inspiring and passionate individuals who know what it takes to go all in. In All In, you can expect real and raw conversations with athletes, coaches, and leaders on topics like mental health, mindset, psychology, training, wellness, habits, and much more. We hope to leave you feeling empowered with motivational stories, relatable experiences, and actionable advice. And I know that I personally walk away from each episode learning something new. In this episode, we are joined by Don Fletcher a mental performance coach to CrossFit Games athletes, action sport athletes, and others. This episode was originally recorded in 2020, right after the 2020 CrossFit Games. And because it has been one of our most popular episodes ever, I want to bring it back to share with all the new listeners we have now, almost two years later. In this episode, we talk about seeking discomfort, managing fear, and mental training. So without further ado, let's go all in. so excited to have you on I think it's been like a long time coming for um, sure. yeah thanks for having me yeah and and did I see that you just completed an adventure race I did I am still recovering I'm tired <laughs> I can imagine it's been four days but it was awesome and it kicked my butt yeah that sounds so great like walk me through it what is an adventure race because it looked it, it looks really cool I don't know that much about them yet but <laughs> there are these races that typically have about three or four elements um like some sort of running or trekking, mountain biking, a water element, whether this one was paddling and then a rappelling course as well. Oh, wow. And so this one was about a seven hour adventure race. They have them all the way up to like 10 to 15 days and you get a map and you get points that you have to, um, you know, check off your map until you get to the next map and to the next points. And so it's collecting points and racing time and you're on a team. It's typically a team of four. You have to have one female on your team. We had two females, two males. And it was crazy. And we just, none of us had done it before. We were all beginners. We showed up, it was 20 degrees and we had all the layers and clothes on and we went for it. I mean, only 24 of the 50 plus teams that we were racing against even finished under the time cap. We were one of those teams who finished and we placed six amongst four four person teams. So we went for it and we were cold and some of us still have frostbite and are still recovering. (laughs) It, It was quite the adventure so I'll, I'll do it again but I think I'll only do it in temps above 50. Yeah I, I could imagine I mean it's already cold up here where where are you at? I live in San Diego California but oh. I'm up in Bend Oregon um that's where the race was so okay, it just was gotcha. it dropped really cold and once yes. you get wet you know you're kind of screwed. <laughs> that's that's the most uncomfortable feeling you know like so actually when I was snowboarding like those negative 30 mm-hmm. days where it's like really really cold it's it's not horrible if you have the right layers, like if yep. it's a dry cold, yep. but when it's like wet and miserable out and it's cold, that's just, no, totally. you, you're like, there's like water in your boots and yep. you don't want to be out there when it's like that. Yep. Once the water got like in the gloves and in the shoes, it was like, oh gosh, we still have four plus more hours of this. Um, oh. <laughs> we toughed it out. It was good. I mean, the point was to get uncomfortable and I certainly did. Yeah, that's it. Like, how did you deal with that? Because I like, I mean, I I like to get uncomfortable, but when it yeah, when it gets damp and like 
your head goes to different places. You're like, I just want to be home and buy a fire. Of course. I, I kept reminding myself that I will warm up eventually. There was a hot tub where we were coming back to. We had like a fireplace. <laughs> we had warm drinks. We knew that stuff was coming. It was just temporary discomfort, right? And we chose to do it, obviously. That was the main thing. It was just having fun, laughing, even though we were uncomfortable. I was with some of my best friends out in the woods. Like, can't really complain about that. So had a lot of fun with it and just laughed it off, reminded myself it was a choice. And I knew I would warm up eventually. Um, just didn't know when. <laughs> Yeah. Are there yeah. races like that that are individual? Because I could imagine like the mm -hmm. team aspect is really helpful to get through that. But on your own, especially if it was like one of those oh, yeah. 10 to 15 days, I think I get lost <laughs> and I want to come back. <laughs> on my own, I think I would have stopped. Um, yeah. They had single racers, teams of two, teams of three and teams of four. So there was all sorts of different. This one was more of like a beginner friendly race. So okay. I don't know if that's like at what level they only allow four-person teams. I, I'm definitely in, interested in learning more about the sport. There's a show on Amazon Prime right now. It's like the world's toughest race. I saw a, that. I haven't started watching. Yeah. Okay, watch that because that will okay. give you a lot of perspective. That is not the extent of what I did, but I did one, day, <laughs> I did one day's worth of what they, what they do. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I, I have to watch it. I've been like seeing it and I'm like, okay, sometime I'll start this and then I get into something else. But yeah. I thought I was tough. Like I kept saying that out there. I'm like, I thought it was tough. I thought I was fit. I was humbled. I think that's <laughs> the thing about life. Like there's always something else. Like people who do adventure races and say that's like becomes in their comfort zone. There's always a next level to that. Totally. Everyone's like messaging me. You do ice baths. You should be fine. I'm like, no, that a two minute ice bath that I choose to do in my backyard in Southern California is not equivalent to like seven plus hours in 20 degree weather when you're wet. Um, it did help me a little bit mentally, but yeah, it was like nothing can really prepare you until you do it. That that's like an interesting concept to me because I think mm -hmm. you can do these ice baths, you can do these things in isolation, or you can be like really comfortable with the pain and discomfort of CrossFit workouts, for example. But it, it does train you to be adaptable to these different situations. But like until you do them, there's like it's different levels of discomfort and different types across mm -hmm. all these different things. You're, you're spot on. And that's the point of it for me is to continue to try to stretch myself to find those new environments or those new stimulus that are going to trigger me to be uncomfortable in some way, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, and you don't know what that is. You can't totally predict it. You expect it and you know what you're going to do or respond to how you're going to respond to it when it comes. But that's, that's part of my practice is to try to find what's going to get me uncomfortable and put myself in those different types of situations so that I get the opportunity to see how I respond and to see how it helps me grow as a person, as an athlete, just as a coach, you know, as all of my different roles, really, it affects me totally. Yeah, I think that's the, the really cool thing about just trying something new and pushing yourself to do something totally new. Because I find like even within your sport, so for example, CrossFit athletes, like they push for a new PR or they push for um, just adding a little bit more volume. Like that's uncomfortable, but mm -hmm. you're so used to doing that specific <laughs> movement or that specific workout. Mm -hmm. Do you, with some of those athletes, do you push them to do something completely different? All the time. And, and, and you're right. Even though CrossFit itself has so many different variables and there's so many different movements and you are constantly learning, it is it is to a degree still safe. You're in the gym, you know, you know, there's a certain level of equipment that you can use. And so, of course, the better you want to be, the more important it is for you to get outside of those four walls and to do things in, in, in different situations than you would normally. And to do things, whether it's adventure races or it's just things like hot yoga or it's just 
putting yourself like in a position to go do a, a comedy course or an improv course, <laughs> people forget that you can get mentally uncomfortable without getting physically uncomfortable. And I think in CrossFit and a lot of sports, you're always looking for the next physically hard thing to do. But a lot of athletes are actually comfortable doing physically hard things. They're less comfortable doing yep. physically hard things. So I like to remind people that like, yeah, you're limited by your experience, right? Or lack thereof. And so as much as different stuff that you can do in your life to get physically, mentally uncomfortable, you're going to have a, you're going to have an edge for sure. Yeah. Hey, Buster. Yeah, I think that's, that is huge, especially for athletes to push outside. And I know that's something I dealt with, like coming from snowboarding, the fear in, in that sport is, did we just pause for a second? I think we're back. Yeah, it was my, I always forget it's my Instagram time limit that goes off and it like, oh. <laughs> it makes me pause and I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, I try to set off notifications, but somehow they still tend to come up. Totally sorry. <laughs> oh, good. But yeah, I, I think that's just so difficult. And it's, it's interesting to push yourself on those different, different places. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, going in, like people would be like, are you scared that this heavy lift, you're going to get hurt? And I'm like, I, I was snowboarding and hitting 100 foot jumps. I'm not scared of this. But then, you know, I, I was talking to my aunt, she's like a, a mindfulness and movement uh, mm -hmm. practice instructor. She's very into these things and always pushing me to explore that and that's what makes me uncomfortable exactly. it's like talking with her every week and like getting uncomfortable about my feelings or um she would tell me every week try something new like go to a different place or and I'm like mm, no I like my routine and so I think yeah. that's important for people to push because you can push yourself in sports but like sports do end eventually and so how do you actually translate into real life if you're not pushing yourself in these other paths yeah, you're so spot on. And I think that's very, very common. The, the type of thinking that you embodied is very common for the athlete is like, keep everything as routine as possible, <laughs> push myself in training and repeat day after day. And again, that will take you, you know, so far, but there's definitely more experience. There's other experience that could help you grow. You know, yeah. Outside of that. yeah, it's really cool to see sometimes like you see some of these top athletes and they get to mm -hmm. a plateau. And then mm -hmm. they, they end up like the, the things that they say, push them past that seems so like, you're like, really, that's what, you know, you started doing hot yoga or you started doing, mm -hmm. started doing this, but you know, truly, I think it is that they just push themselves in a different way that they were able, than they were able to, when they hit that plateau, something totally different. And then it ended up translating. Yeah, totally. I remember hearing this, this right when you said that it came to my mind. I remember hearing this um, CrossFit Games athlete. I think he was there at least five times. And he said something about the last year his practice was to not get like pissed off in traffic. And he focused on that because <laughs> he would lose his mind like all the time on the road and road rage. And that was like his sole focus, he said, and it made the biggest difference in his training. And I love that he even brought that up because, again, so many people don't even consider that that's part of mental training that's actually going to help you in your sport. And just picking something like that within your life that you can practice on a day to day basis um, made such a big difference for him. So I love that. Yeah. And so many reps, like you're driving right. all the time to the gym or whatever. You can right. practice that all the time. There's some pretty mm -hmm. bad drivers out there. Totally. Awesome. Well, I want to, I want to dive into to the CrossFit Games because I know you coach a lot of CrossFit Games athletes and they just ended. Um, it was awesome to watch and see how they persevered with the only five person field, no music, all these different variables. What, what were your thoughts and what was like some of the most impressive mental performances of the weekend? Yeah, it was interesting. It surely was different this year. I've been at the CrossFit Games, I think, 10 years or nine years in a row. I missed one year. 
Um, so this one watching from afar and it was on the same weekend as like my adventure race. I typically would never even do something like an adventure race the same time the CrossFit games were happening, but this, this was the perfect opportunity. So I was watching a lot in replay and I've, I've seen all the events and it was definitely unique and different. I loved, like you said, the, the fact that they were just in the field, not all the bells and whistles, not all the lights, no music, no fans. And it was just training. It was like the people who just love the hard work and that, um, don't really need all of that stuff to perform their best. You could clearly see that um, they were more comfortable in that type of an environment. But most CrossFit athletes, I think, are. And especially this year, they've gotten more comfortable just training on their own and being able to push. Um, so I loved it. It was different. Uh, but I thought it was really cool that the athletes who were comfortable could showcase their abilities. And I loved seeing like young Justin Medeiros up there just pushing the top guys and um, his excitement and energy was really refreshing. I think in our sport, it's neat to see the the younger athletes come in and just be so passionate and excited about the sport of CrossFit and not, not maybe as jaded as some of the other athletes that have been through a lot in our sport. Um, but of course, then, you know, the older athletes have more wisdom and experience. So I don't know. Justin Medeiros was one of my favorite athletes to watch this weekend. Obviously, the the performances of Matt and Tia, the most dominant in our sport in history. I love seeing them go in and totally dominate. I know a lot of people don't love seeing that because <laughs> they want them to be pushed. But I just think it is amazing feats of athleticism. And we get the opportunity to see the fittest in the world do what they're best at and it and just crush it. And it's just it's so fascinating. And I love studying their their behavior and the way that they um kind of prepare and handle themselves and, and talk about their training when they're interviewed. So I don't know. There was a lot of, there was a lot of highlights. Those yeah. are just some thoughts off the top of my head. Oh, th- I think this weekend in sports, there was just so many dominant performances. Like I, I like to watch F1 and there was Lewis Hamilton. He won his 92nd championship, which is just insane. And then there was the um, UFC fight. Um, and so there was like all these three basically performances of just dominance. And I know a lot of people, right? I mean, it's human nature to cheer for the underdog and kind of, of like course. you see the person who's winning and you, you can't, I, I mean, I, I'm someone who's, I, I like to cheer for the underdog, but I also like, I just understand that to be at the top and to stay at the top, that's a whole other level. Like when you're training Absolutely. and you picture that person who's at the top while you're training, that's an advantage in, in my mind. Like you can Absolutely. be, you can use that as fuel, but when you already are the top like it's it can be easier to settle and so I love to watch that like performances of dominance and people who are staying on top and continuing that's just insane yeah me too I agree and and again especially when you see all the dynamic tests that sport like CrossFit can test and even over the weekend I think they had 12 total events and just the the diversity and the variety of those events and being able to see dominance in ones that are totally different than the other and that's so unique for our sport because you typically have some some element of weakness or there's going to be something that you really struggle with. And you just see Matt and Tia just really winning, like dominating and winning in those very diverse, dynamic, different type of events. And it's, and again, that's the part I think is really cool for the younger people in our sport to see what's possible. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're taking it to a whole nother level. It's, <laughs> it's awesome to see now for anyone who's, sure. who's tuning in and they don't know what happened with the trail run plot twist. Basically these athletes got told to run a three mile trail run um, through brutal hills. Like they're crawling, their hands are on the ground going up and down some of these hills in, in the California 
like at the, at the ranch. And so just crazy terrain. And once they reached the finish line and some of them were sprinting against each other with that last bit of effort that they had saved so in their gnarly. cake. And they get told by the director of the CrossFit Games to turn around and do the whole thing in reverse. Um, to me, I, I was... I love to see when Katrin came in and she was came mm-hmm. in in third mm-hmm. and just was like, you could see, she was like, let's go. Like she was so excited. And it was like, that was cool because I was like, that's an opportunity. You see it as like, I have extra time now to pass people. Well, what did you For think sure. about that performance specifically and how she handled herself and some of the other athletes who were able to, you know, improve on the way back? <laughs> Yeah, I think that was a again a unique um, experience for those athletes. Like the way that CrossFit Games said they said it was going to be three plus or minus miles. I don't know if anyone caught that, but that I think gave them the opportunity to have some leeway with how they were going to do that with the event. Otherwise, that wouldn't work, right? If you're doing a metcon, you say five rounds for time, and they get there, and then they're like, "Oh, five more rounds." It wouldn't really <laughs> work in that same way. But I think because they because of the way that it was formatted and almost delivered to them they had some room to stretch that because it was three plus or minus miles it was three plus um that being said someone like katrin she's excited about that because it works physically to her favor as well the longer for her the better so Mm. not not only of course does she train her mindset we all know that but i think she knew that the longer the better for her and so you're exactly right that gave her more time to to get ahead, get a lead, hold on to it, and then eventually win that. Um, I believe that if Tia knew that was going to be six miles at the beginning, she would have won that event. That being said, she paced herself totally different for the three-mile event, and she won the first part of that, but it didn't translate because of the way that she pushed herself. So it was unique, um, and, and it was certainly a mental twist. I don't think anyone was thrown off so much by the mental challenge of that. I think it was just more damn like I paced myself totally differently for an event that was delivered to me as I thought it was going to be you know around three miles and it was twice that and so physically if you had more in the tank you were going to be excited I think mentally but I don't think it really threw any of those athletes off mentally I think at first Matt didn't believe it but the only two athletes that really had the surprise were Matt and Justin because they were at the front and everyone else then saw them turning around so yeah that's the only part I wish everyone would have had an element of surprise and they could have rerouted them differently so that each person who came across the finish line had to deal with that surprise but I think by the time it it got back around to those people that were behind them it was less it was less of an impact yeah. Yeah. I was also like shocked where Matt just like was sitting there and he didn't realize, but like, I know that you, I would have too. I, yeah, me too. I'd be like, no, thank you. Oh, I'll no. just, I'll just chill here. It's good. Right. <laughs> but like, yeah, like I know you, you do a lot of event strategy, I assume for your yeah. athletes. How do you actually like prepare them to deal with that when they are completely thrown off? Like he did not believe it, but then to come back and still win, you, you would have thought maybe he would have, you know, he broke there mentally, but he, he was able to overcome that. How, how do you plan for that or train that? I think a big part of it is the framing around it, meaning how do you perceive surprises? Are they negative and bad and they're going to throw you off? Or are they positive and exciting and they're actually going to give you an edge? And I think mm-hmm. that's what Katrin has down so well is she goes into it with the harder, the better, right? The more surprise elements, the tougher it is, um, the colder it is, the wetter it is, the hotter it is, whatever, right? The tougher, the better for me, because that means more elements that everybody has to deal with. And that gives me a, an edge. So I think a lot of it is around framing. And we talk about that. Like if Castro says, hey, we're going to do double this, or we're going to turn around, or the weight's going to be heavier at the last minute, or 
whatever changes occur, which those athletes are very used to changes occurring in the sport of CrossFit, you know, the unknown and unknowable and be prepared for anything. But also like uh, as a competitor, just recognizing when I'm at the ranch or when I'm at the games and there's an element of surprise that's going to make something tougher for me, can I embrace it as a positive? Because if I'm truly there because I want to be pushed to my limits, and that's what all of them will say. They want to be pushed to their limits so they can find out what they're capable of. Then we want more challenge. And so to embrace it and to actually look at it as an advantage and look at it as something that's going to help our purpose and enable us to be able to see what we're capable of, because um, it all comes back to like your why and your purpose. But if you can tie in, you know, those elements of surprise back to your why, you're certainly going to have a, a, a stronger mindset than someone who's not able to. Yeah. You know, just look at it as like a negative, like, oh shit, this is going to be harder. Like you (laughs) said, like Matt could have easily been like, no way, like I'm not going to be able to keep it up. But he could also have said like, all right, you want to challenge me in this way? Like, let's go see if I can, you know, like maybe slow down for a mile or so, but then if I can pick back up speed, like, and if I can still hold out a lead and win this thing, and obviously he was able to, but I think he truly sees it as a positive challenge that's going to push him to see what he's capable of. And he um, clearly is capable yeah yeah clearly yeah it's insane it's so crazy to watch but you know what i what i think is like some of the most impressive things is when you look at the mindset of like katrin and tia specifically they're two athletes that like five years ago their mindsets were in completely different places or i guess about like six years ago yeah like when you saw interviews of them like for example katrin when she lost at regionals and tia when she was had the leaders a jersey and you could see her in that video i remember watching and being like why is she saying this like this is just this not good self-talk do you think that there's a correlation with people who have had to overcome that mindset and work really hard on building it that they actually then eventually have the advantage in building that mindset versus someone who might just have kind of been like that tough person all, all <laughs> along. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's either earned or learned, right? So those girls clearly had to do work in order to earn their own confidence for themselves. They couldn't just have it because they, they didn't earn it right yet. But over the years, they got better and better and put in the work and they were able to earn some of that confidence and that belief and also learned because, again, they read the books, they put in the time on mindset. I know how much Shane makes that a priority. Obviously, Bergeron makes that a priority. And so, you know, you can't almost blame them because they just didn't have that skill or they didn't have they didn't know that knowledge at that time. But you see how much work they put in physically to earn it and mentally to learn it. And that's what has, like you said, given them that that ability at this time. So I do think that, yeah, it certainly even gives them more of an edge because they had to put in the work and the time. People don't realize that they just think like you can get it or have it. It's like, no, it takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time and it's an ongoing process. It's not something that you just have or not don't have. It's something that you continue to train and to learn about yourself, to become more aware so that you can, um, be the best athlete you can possibly be. It's, it's an ongoing process. And I know how much uh, specifically those girls put the work in. So it is, it is really cool to see. Yeah. Like it, I remember just seeing Tia show up the year after that. And I was like, she's a different person, but I had counted her out based on, you know, watching <laughs> yeah. that video and seeing yeah. what her mindset was. And I was like, she has it, but her mind just isn't there. But the fact that in one year she was able to change that should be a testament to anyone who, whether they're an athlete really? or not, and just is struggling or they think they can't do something like you can do it. 
Absolutely. And I've seen that firsthand with the athletes I've worked with. It's just giving them a few, few basic tools to be able to under, understand themselves better so that they can present themselves better, whether it's the way they speak to commentators like or interview um, people like she was on the video, or it's the way that they, again, frame their training or challenge or struggle. It's just a few tools can go a long way in you understanding what's the best approach for something. Um, and I've seen it firsthand take athletes from decent and pretty good to, you know, the best that they can possibly be simply by understanding some of those tools that are going to really give them an edge. Yeah. And it seems like it's a lot of those little things. Like it's just little things. Like people don't have to completely change their entire mm-hmm. lives. It's, it's little things like the way you hold yourself or totally. um, like when you see someone and they finish an event and they're dying, but then you just walk off as if nothing happens. That's, You're like, that's really, uh-huh. that's, that's, that's a big thing. <laughs> absolutely it's like when you pass someone if they're if their shoulders are back and their eyes are forward and they even look like they're not tired even though they're they're really tired but if you pass someone and you're looking strong you know your competitor sees you passing them and they're like oh i don't have a chance in keeping up with that person because they look you know like they're still going strong but it's like you can learn some of those tools so that again you're you're just more aware of how you're carrying yourself and those little things like you said over time in your training are going to really be helpful when it comes to competition because it's really hard if not impossible to just like turn those things on when it's competition time right you got to train them over time so that it's really natural for you to carry yourself in a certain way and approach workouts in a certain way because you've trained it all year long um yeah i agree Yeah. Yeah. Something else that I really started to notice is in a lot of sports and especially in CrossFit, you used to see like people after a workout, maybe they're, they're visibly frustrated when they don't do well. What I've been noticing more and more is people are, they're controlling their reactions more. So they're like happy, even though they came last, they're like, okay, you see it at the end of the weekend, like the really big disappointment and they're crying or whatever, because the weekend is over and like now they can let it all settle in. But how does this play in both physically and mentally in recovering for the next event? Because I think it seems like they're putting deliberate practice into even though it was frustrating, you don't have time to dwell on a loss. Like you have to stay positive for the next event. You're exactly right. And again, I think that's a learned technique. It's in competition. Let's just talk about CrossFit competition. You may have one hour between events, maybe up to three hours between events. But knowing how much time you have between events also helps you to be able to understand what's your best approach for how to respond to that struggle or failure. Like if I have three hours or five hours, yeah, I might take 10 minutes and be really pissed off. And that's what I'll tell my athletes, depending on how much time they have between events. If they're really upset, I'm like, take 10, exactly 10 go cry, go be pissed, go throw something, like do whatever you got to do. And then come back to me and say, coach, I'm ready. And we're going to move on to the next thing. We're going to talk about, hey, here's what we learned. Here's what we can do better next time. And then let's go get recovered. So depending on how long you have between events, but if it's not that long, you're totally right. It's, it's being able to say, okay, that was a struggle for me. I know that that's something my coach and I are going to put in work towards in the near future. I don't need to focus on that right now because there's nothing within my like direct training that I can do to improve on the past, obviously. But I can say, I know that that was exposed for me. That was a struggle. That's good. Now that we know that information, my coach and I will put in a plan to work on that. Great. I have that knowledge now. Again, I learned something. And I always say, when you learn, you get better. So I learned something. I can take away something. My coach and I will have a plan. What can we do now? to get either recovered or prepared for the next piece. And again, I think that is, I, I know in my experience, that's a learned 
technique and that's a practice that's important to utilize in training so that on game day you're really comfortable with knowing what helps me recover and bounce back from a poor performance or one I didn't feel good about is it talking about it is it not is it doing something like specific is it having some type of ritual but if you know that coming into it you're gonna be a lot more prepared to handle it when it does happen and I think that's what we're seeing nowadays is that people have put emphasis on that in training and they're able to recover a lot quicker and almost be happy that they found and exposed a weakness because they know that that's the key to getting better that's how you get better is by finding those those areas for yourself that you want to continue to work on um so the best of the best can see that as a positive and also i always remind athletes you're allowed to be upset and frustrated and get pissed off just know how you're going to bounce back from that frustration Mm -hmm. um because expressing emotions is not a bad thing at all Right. We, can't, we don't want to stay completely stoic for the rest of our lives. That's not the point. The point is to be able to express emotions in a healthy way and then be able to learn and grow for them so that we can move on to the, ta- the, ne- the next task. Mm, I love that because I think a lot of people look at mental performance and athletes mm-hmm. like I need to become a robot. And that's that's I, I not agree. it. That's like, not the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not the point at all. Because, again, I think if for us to a certain degree, if you're limiting your emotions, you're also limiting your ability to be joyful and excited and passionate. And, um, and those are really important parts of you being able to perform your best is to still be excited about the sport. And that's why, again, someone like Justin Medeiros or like Haley Adams, you see coming in here and they're just this fresh young individual who just loves it. And they still have this really high passion. It's fun to see because, um, a lot of times over the years we get more controlled because we know that that to a degree, that's a benefit. But again, we don't want full robots and like you to not be able to express yourself to to a degree. We just want to make sure that, that you're doing that in a way that helps your performance and doesn't hurt it. Right. Yeah, I think it's just so important to just have fun. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. athletes mm-hmm. might look at like seeking a sports psychologist or a mental performance mm-hmm. coach as something that's like going to take away their enjoyment. But it's actually just a key. Like if you're doing better, you're ha- maybe you're having more fun. Um, you're enjoying it more and you're staying passionate about it. If you have the right coach or the right training, because as long as you, yeah, you're not like you said, just getting so controlled and um, like robotic as people um, seem to see from the exterior, like having that enthusiasm and the fun of it, that's going to carry you a long way. I think. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And the athletes that I work with, I always say like, if we're at a competition, we're going to be having the most fun of anybody there and you'll be able yeah. to tell. Right. And that has um, everything to do with me trying to say you chose this for a reason because you love it and you're passionate about it. You're excited about growth. And I just as a coach continue to remind them of that and help them honor that because it's so easy to get lost. Like, you know, when you're in a lot of people think they have to be doing well to be having fun. And I think that you can actually choose fun first and that's going to typically help you perform better. And there's kind of a a good meet in the middle there with those two facets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of people sometimes they look at mental training and things like that in a different light, but it's important to reframe it so that more people get exposed totally. to to training that because they realize that it's it's something that's helpful and it's not going to take away your enjoyment. Absolutely. If anything, it's, it's going to increase it. And then, again, that's the point. And that's where you can really reap the benefits and you can see what's possible because if your enjoyment's high, you're going to be more consistent, most likely. And then when you're more consistent, you're going to have better results. You're going to be more motivated and, you know, it all just goes around. 
Exactly. Yeah. I like there's like a quote and I'll totally butcher it, but it's basically just saying that, you know, no one has ever truly succeeded at something that they're not, they don't enjoy or they don't love because how can you be consistent? It's, you're going to burn out if you don't truly love it. And sometimes you have to go through that to figure out if you do truly love something. Yep. And take a break. And sometimes that's the best thing for reigniting your passion is to remove yourself from the stimulus to see if it's actually something you would choose or something that you want to go back to with a certain level of commitment. Um, and I remind people that like, if you're really down and out or you're not having fun or you're feeling those signs of burnout it's like just step away just take a week or two weeks off and see if it is something you want to go back to it may not and that's okay you know yeah yeah so I know you also coach athletes of different sports and like I saw mm-hmm. that you also coach like a motocross athlete for example so my mm-hmm. background is an action sport so I'd love to compare what mm-hmm. the different mindsets in a sport for example like we talked about when you get you're getting uncomfortable in different different areas and pushing yourself in different areas in CrossFit. It's very physical. You're enduring like the pain of the lactic acid setting in, for example, or the difficulty of the workout. But when it comes to some different sports, there's, there's other aspects at play where it's maybe more fear-based fear of injury, um, pushing to try something new. What are the differences that you've noticed? Yeah. I mean, there's so many facets in sport performance that carry over to all sports and to carry over to anything that we want to perform better at things like, you know, you having your why and understanding how to focus better, et cetera. They carry over no matter what sport or what type of athlete I'm talking to. And then there's always sport specific components of what exactly does your sport ask of you and learning about that through the athlete, learning about that through my own studying, making sure I have a you know, a strong understanding of what is the athlete even being asked to do for their sport and for their training um, and spending time talking to them about what are their limitations or what do they feel like for them is a challenge. And again, it's, it's unique to the sport. So an example might be like something like motocross or something that um, an athlete is really going to be a little less physically tasked, but mentally they, they really want to work on improving their ability to focus on directly what's in front of them, whether that, again, a competitor is coming in and out or knowing the next turn. And so it's a lot more like mental training in that regards of trying to help them set themselves up to be able to focus the best that they can in their training and in their sport. Um, And a lot of times that comes down to just, again, in life, what are their habits for focus? How are they removing distractions? How are they um, setting up an intention or a purpose before they start what they're doing, making sure they have a clear why? Um, and, and keeping your eyes uh, on the task at hand. So there's always going to be unique sport-specific training for an athlete, depending on what, what's being asked of them in their sport. Um, but a lot of the same variables carry over regardless of what the sport is. Right. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I know, like, I work with sports psychologists during my time on the national snowboard team. And yeah. what I found was a lot of them had no knowledge of action sports so they came from like the hockey team or something else and so there was those basics that were so important to learn and like have carried me you know after that sport into other aspects but I did find like the disconnect where it's like I could hit this jump and die and that's what I'm scared of more than Mm. you know like I'm not scared that I slip a little bit on my run and lose a couple points on my landing or something like I'm scared something really bad could happen have has have you been have you worked with any athletes that have had to deal with those types of fears I think in any sport like people who have had big injuries for example and they don't want to like re-blow out their knee oh absolutely whether it's injury fear or whether it's something like height or even exposing myself in front of others is a big fear of people Mm -hmm. uh, who I work with so 
Um, you know, fear is a real thing. It's a big thing. It impacts all of us. And my goal as a coach is always to get to know the person as best as I can. What are their, what are their desires? What are their fears? Um, and begin to talk them, talk with them about what are our approaches? What are our options for, for overcoming that? And it doesn't mean the fear is going away. Cause I think that that's what everyone thinks. It's like, Oh, the fear has to go away. <laughs> I wish to be able to do the jump. It's like, no, how do we learn how to do things afraid? And how can we take small steps in practicing in our life? Um, again, outside of our sport and inside of our sport, how can we take small steps in our life to do things, to do little things that we um, are going to have fear about and we're going to practice doing them. And we might get momentum from doing some of those smaller things in our life. I call it like collecting courage, like how in your day to day life or how in your week to week life. I've had a lot of athletes that are getting ready for an event. Let's just say it's a month away and there's a lot of fear around it. I know a lot of athletes are afraid of swimming in CrossFit and they're going to have an ocean swim, for example, in a month. And they know that they want to do it, but they're really afraid. And so in that month leading up to that, how can we collect as much courage as possible? How can we get like those brevity notches on our belt? And so in your day-to-day life, we come up with a lot of different options of like, what can we do so that you can practice doing things afraid? And yeah, you're going to swim over the next month, but that's not going to be like your only training. We got to do things that help you feel braver and fear, feel more competent facing fears um, because it's not going to go away. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be challenging. You're going to have all the butterflies. You're going to have the anxiety. You're going to have, you know, the fear-based thoughts. And I always say they're okay. Those aren't bad. You know, just your response to them is what matters. And so it's a lot of practice around, like you said, understanding the athlete's desires and fears and continuing to remind them that they don't, you don't have to do the jump. You actually don't ever have to do that jump in your life if you don't want to (laughs) if you want to and we can tie that back to your why and your purpose then you're actually going to be more motivated to do the small things that i might come up with or we might brainstorm together that we say what are some ways in which we can navigate this fear and this challenge that are going to help you not only perform your best but also um give you tools for life that um by the way fear's not going away so let's find ways to deal with it yeah, I know. I wish it was something that could just turn off. And that's what people often say. Like, they're like, you must have no fear I know, to be too. in I'm that like, sport. And I'm like, mm. I'm afraid all the time. <laughs> yeah. And especially now that I'm older and I'm, I'm kind of removed, like I don't compete anymore in, in the sport. And when I go, I'll still hit the jumps, yeah. but I don't yeah. do those same tricks. Nope. So I'm like, I don't need to injure myself for other things. Exactly. But it's just, you know, then people still think like, oh, you have no fear. You haven't gone, you know, on the jumps in so long. And I'm like, no, because it's it's in my comfort zone. I'm not pushing to that next Mm -hmm. level. And it's something I've worked super hard on and done a million times. Like, and Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing. Like some people who are just so open and vulnerable and like are able, like friends that I have that talk to me all throughout Mm -hmm. high school and university and all these about like their feelings and all these things. And I'm like, "Eh," I'm like here's a wall between me and I'm just going to be stoic and only talk about these things. And for them, it's not scary. Like I talk about something they think it's, you know, it's a big deal for me, but it's not for them. And so it's, it, it plays different roles, I think for different people and we all experience it. It does not go away. Yeah. You're, you're, you're spot on. It's just learning about yourself and being open to learn what are your little triggers for fear, for anxiety or for, worry, concern. We all have them. Let's learn about ourselves and let's be open. Let's try to be as open as possible to the ways in which we can 
um, navigate those fears because there's no one way or right way for everyone. I think it just has to do with your willingness to say, hey, it's something that I want to learn more about. And that's where that growth mindset comes into play. And most a- most athletes have that again, but it's it's a learned process. It's not something you can just say, like, read this book and you're done. You can read all the books, but <laughs> until you work with one, yeah, somebody where you're actually like, I'm, I'm a big like doing person. You've got to do, you've got to fall, you got to practice, you got to um, trial and error, experimentation. And as much as you can keep a playful attitude about that, again, you're going to love the process of growth because you can actually enjoy it, even if it's uncomfortable. And growth is and will be uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like in in my opinion, self awareness is. That's like the foundation. That's the most important thing. I think for success in anything, like in life, Mm -hmm. like business, uh, Mm -hmm. sport, um, relationships, Mm -hmm. like that is just so key and such a pillar. And it's something that I wish in the world, like we had more of and people, there was was just more awareness of in in general, because I feel like I didn't even hear the word self-awareness come up until I like the last five years Mm -hmm. or so on. Like, you know, something that maybe I've been working on without knowing it. But I didn't actually see the focus. And I think in the world, like, there would probably be a lot less problems if all of us knew ourselves and our motives better. Um, yes. <laughs> but, like, how, how do people actually work on that? Like, what can they do? Because I think, like, sometimes it comes naturally through the ways that you pushed yourself. But in other places, like, there's, there's times in your life where you just never need to. Like, you don't feel that feedback. Like, in sports, you really start to get that feedback to get to the next level that you need to learn more about yourself. But some, yeah. sometimes you, you just don't get that push back how do you actually train that for anyone an athlete or not yeah again it's so funny because it's like your awareness about self-awareness matters right and like (laughs) like you got to know that that's something that's important is to is to get feedback to learn about yourself to constantly try to grow and that's just simply not where everybody is right a lot of people are literally just trying to get by in the world they're they're literally just trying to get through their hour to hour or day to day and again that's okay because circumstances in their lives probably have put them in that type of position but being just open to learning like being a sponge being open to learning being open to growth hey if you have something that i can do better after the, after this call i want to hear about it i'm excited to hear about it if my significant other, somebody in my family has feedback for me, like, please give it to me. I, I want to hear about it. So I think as an individual, um, this is something my mom always says, it's be interested and be interesting. So mm-hmm. ask questions and then also be, be, be willing to be asked questions. And right. if we can do that exchange in our life and just kind of stay curious um, about others in the world and also, again, be, be interesting, meaning people we want people to engage with us and ask us questions and i just try to encourage people to be open to be willing and to be a sponge because there's learning lessons all around that can help us be more aware you don't again have to just read the book like you can become more aware simply when you're brushing your teeth it's just being just noticing your habits noticing your tendencies um but i've yeah. also studied this stuff for like 15 plus years so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that helps too i think right no yeah I think it's a good point like sometimes like you're just you're caught up in life and so you don't have the time or or the privilege to have to go and yeah and dive into some of these things on on self-awareness do you ever find it really tiring to be so self-aware where you like you start analyzing everything (laughs) in your wish that like sometimes I do wish when there's just so many things especially this year like so many crazy things like I wish I didn't I had spent so much time knowing how I work or how things work 
Because then it's like, oh, what are my biases when I see this thing in politics happening or this? And it's like, I wish I just could just go with the wind and and just not have those those thoughts about it. But at the same time, I think it just it's crucial. Like, it's still crucial. I could talk about this all day. Um, yeah, I'm sure we all remember times when we were younger, whether it's in our 20s or in our teens, depending on where you are in life. And you look back, you're like, oh, that ignorance was blissful, right? And you just didn't know and you didn't care. And it was... And you just did what you wanted to do. But um, once you see things and once you have that awareness, you don't unsee it, right? Like I always use the example of the FedEx truck with the arrow in it. And once you see that arrow in the FedEx truck logo, mm. you can't unsee it. And you're like, yeah. damn it, right? <laughs> but that's how life is. Like once we understand ourselves and once we see what's going on in the world and once we see how people communicate and the things that are going on, yeah, we don't unsee it. So I think part of the practice for myself too is managing like how much of that kind of growth work or how much of that um, I'm willing to participate in. And I think I have enough awareness to know that there's really, it's really positive for me to turn off and not read all the books all the time and not do all the journaling all the time and just like go be and go be present in the world. So trying to Mm. make sure like I offset some of now my tendencies to be like hyper aware and always trying to like learn and grow and understand because that's not always healthy either. Yeah, that that's been a big thing for me too, and just like getting back into more action sports where you're you're forced. Like, yeah, you're mountain biking down a exactly. mountain. You have to be thinking about the rock that's coming up or the exactly. jump that's coming up. And so for me, that's been a good outlet because before, like that was more that wasn't like my thing. Like I was an action sport athlete, and so I had yeah. to be so aware in that moment. But now I can do it where it's just like flow, and. I I think that's just so much better. So I know, I know you've got to run in five minutes. Um, I had a last thing. I wanted to talk quickly about ice baths because I love yes, them. Please. I love them um, too. Yeah. Wh- like what, what do you think makes them so incredible and how I, I, I'm trying to get more people into the ice baths. It took me <laughs> a year to get my boyfriend to finally, he went, we went on a road trip and he went into Lake Louise, which was less than three degrees Celsius. So I'm not sure what that oh. is in Fahrenheit, but it's cold. It's almost freezing. I remember seeing one of your beautiful pictures. I don't remember if that was it. Yes, that, okay. that yeah, it was really, really fun. And so I actually, I went uh, two years ago, I went in oh. there and I, I was the only person and I think I'm in all the tourist YouTube videos because everyone started so cool. filming me because I couldn't believe it. <laughs> this time my boyfriend, I convinced him, but he made me go like somewhere where there's not so many people watching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we went off to the side, but I was like, he went all the way in and I was amazed because we go to like, um, uh, there's like a Nordic spa and oh, cool. um, it's just near like, a mountain resort here and they actually they have the rivers frozen over and they put a hole so that you can go right so in the river awesome. and he refused he refused and i'm like chilling and i'm purposely being super stoic so that it's like making him more angry I want that to i'm there that. yeah you gotta you gotta come do it it's that really awesome awesome but yeah how like how can we get more people into it like to talk about the benefits <laughs> I mean, I don't think like I could talk about, again about this all day too. Maybe we'll have to do a second round of this and we focus on like strategies or specific things um, people can do to work on their mindsets. I don't think there's anything more potent in say one to two minutes that you can do in this world that combines both mental and physical training and gives you again, the, the psychological and the physiological benefits that cold water does. So yeah. I don't know if I can say anymore. I mean, I could talk about it all day, but I think <laughs> that there's nothing you can do in such a short period of time to make such big differences in your life um, to me other than the cold water exposure. And so yeah. I'm all about potency. Like we don't all have all the time all day to be training our minds. Like, I do basically full time, but that's like my job, right? So what can we do or what can we give people that 
um, is the most potent use of their time and their energy that are going to give them the biggest positive effects. Um, go figure it's something really uncomfortable, right? And, but I don't think until you do it, you're able to understand what you can feel like afterwards. Mm. And for someone like myself who has had a lot of anxiety, panic attacks, um, constantly kind of thinking about what am I thinking about what's going on with me? How am I feeling assessing that? Like we talked about, um, the ice bath to me is like such a reprieve and gives me such feelings of like alertness, awakeness, aliveness. Um, it's almost a way to like kind of shut off that emotional, just like turmoil into a degree. Um, I feel like I can take on anything afterwards, like talk about just being ready to like do anything hard after you take an ice bath like everything is easy after an ice bath so it's like just have a surge of just aliveness and energy and willingness and I have a clearer mind and I I feel just overall physically better I feel um yeah just just more prepared to take on the world and what's going to come in because you know the world's not going to stop the world's not going to get easier so I think it's just the most potent way that for me I have found that I can train myself to feel more resilient to what's going to keep coming to me and uh, and also just physically to um yeah just really feel better yeah oh yeah now I'm fired up to go have an ice bath but I've I've been having cold (laughs) showers every day because I find I bought like a big tub in the summer but just the amount of effort to get like all the ice is like you said like we only have so much time in the day so I'm like okay cold showers is like my somewhat supplement it's like replacing it for the yeah, moment yeah. um when i was on the the national snowboard team we had like the ice bath room like the the tubs the two different hydrotherapy yep. tubs oh that we were so, so blessed good. like so so for blessed. Sure. and um but yeah now i'm excited for when the like the rivers and stuff freeze over say, natural I, water is the best bet. i think that i'm gonna try to do more of that like just because I, I do have like a little like um at my cottage we have this old like ice fishing thing so you can drill a hole I'm going to try to like, please be careful, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to try. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully I'll survive. I'm going to send you a link after this of this new um, ice barrel that, that that just came out. It's uh, amazing. I hope to get one, but oh, yeah. Yeah. I want a sauna and an ice bath. That's what I really Same. want. Yeah. Same. That's when we, that's when we'll know we've made it. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> like you have the hydrotherapy and everything in your house. That's totally. the dream. The dream. Totally. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, where can people find you and, and learn more? Thank you so much, Natalie. This was a great hour. Um, DrivenMindTraining.com and DrivenMindTraining on Instagram. And my personal Instagram is at Dawn M. Fletcher. If, yeah, if there's anything that I can help you with, you can also shoot me an email, Dawn at DrivenMindTraining.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again and have a great rest of your day and Thank um, you, enjoy Natalie. your next ice bath. I'm, I'm going to take a break. Today I'm going to some natural hot springs. I decided after the, after the adventure race, I was going to just take a little like week or two to let my body recover and not do any more cold water exposure. So today it's hot springs. <laughs> yeah, that sounds better. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Natalie. All right, take enjoy. Care. If you like the podcast, the best way to support it is to leave a review and share it with a friend. Truly leaving a written review, letting us know what you liked and want more of, and sharing the podcast so more people can benefit is the best gift you could possibly give us. Thanks again for listening. I'm so grateful for your support and I'll catch you on the next one.